Thank you so much. Wonderful. So good being back with you. Wow. I think this is my third or fourth time being with you all. And, and it's wonderful. It's wonderful being in the house of God. And let me just tell you something. If you miss drinking your coffee before church here, no worries. How many you know that worship will lift you? Come on. You know what I'm talking about. How many appreciate that worship? Wow. Wow. Well, it is an honor to be here. Uh, Pastor, I know he's at one of your other sites right now, but I just want to say this about Pastor Brett and, of course, Cynthia and the team here, Pastor Jim Critcher as well. Uh, it's what an honor it is to be here. Uh, what an honor it is to be here. And, uh, well, to see you guys expanding. You have now two services, which is, are three services on Sunday. How many know growth is a good thing? Can I have a good amen? That's a good thing. Expansion, seeing people come to Christ. You know, last night I had the opportunity to go to, uh, to dinner with Pastor Brett. Uh, we brought one of our youth pastors with us, Aaron, as well. And we just sat there uh, and were so poured into it. And I, and I mean this. And, I, and I'm not just saying this as a guest, somebody to come speak. No, I was so poured into. Pastor Brett's always been a big brother to me. I like to remind him he's older. Amen. <laughs> And, uh, and looks way older. But anyway, so I'm joking. No, but, uh, he's, I'm 48. He's, I think 55, 56. But the wisdom of God that he poured into me last time, every time I come and I'm around Pastor Brett, I leave a different, enriched, enlarged individual as a leader, as a pastor, as a man of God. So I'm so grateful. Can we just give it up for Pastor Brett? I mean that. You guys are blessed. You guys are blessed. Blessed, 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 blessed. I did bring a picture of my family. My wife, Jennifer, sends uh, her greetings. Uh, and I do have a picture of my four children. And uh, yeah, and so this is last October, so I will update our Christmas picture. So I've got Isabel. Uh, she's a junior. Uh, she's uh, going to Sanford University. Uh, and she's a wonderful, and I, and I say this, she was like the perfect child. And I really mean that. I, I, I mean, just perfect. And if she was my only child, I, I would do parenting seminars, <laughs> but I don't do parenting seminars, and uh, I've got two boys, and they're getting better, amen, it's not, can I just be honest, that, they're getting better, I mean, they're just getting better, that's why I say, how you doing, y'all, y'all getting better, and so Conrad, who'll be a senior uh, at a uh, uh, school at St. Paul's in uh, great high school, excuse me, uh, and then William will be a junior, uh, and they're they're good boys. And they, but it's interesting. Our little daughter Annalise, we got her at seven months. She's now seven years, and uh, she's an amazing little girl from China. She'll tell you if you ask her, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" She goes, "A mathematician," and I mean that. She's a she's a genius. She literally is a genius, just brainiac. And so I'm so excited. This year, she's actually going to be tutoring her brothers in math, and so. <laughs> I'm going to save a lot of money on all those tutors. Hey, that's going to be a lot of money. So I'm fired up about that. All right. If you have your Bible, I'm going to ask you to open up uh, to 1 Kings chapter 19 in the Old Testament. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19. Today, we're, we're going to have a candid, real-life conversation about a topic uh, in church a topic that, that I don't know how much you've heard about it uh, in church. I know, Pastor, what an amazing Bible teacher. It's not a topic that pastors teach a lot about, though. Uh, and it's, it's a topic because there's a lot of pain attached to it. Uh, there's often a lot of stigma attached to it. Uh, and it's the topic of depression. Depression. How you overcome 
depression, why we experience depression. Now, let's be honest. We, we live in a culture that is rapidly changing. I, I, I was just thinking about this as I was putting this message together this week. In the last 120 years, I want you to think about this. We went from an agrarian society, all right? You go to work, a lot of farming. Sure, there was shipping and some light industry, but it was, it was totally different. The, the turn of the century in America, then we go through the Industrial Revolution. Now we're all going to factories to work. Then we go through the technological and the information explosion the last 20, 30 years, and now we've got devices and, and we've got phones and text messages and emails. And, and, and so now work comes to us. We can't get away from it. And, and, and information, we're overloaded. So all of these, these, these information, just these little bites of this and that, and it's getting us. And, and on top of that, we live in a culture and a society, tremendous political instability. Tremendous. What do you believe? Hey, what are you? Hey, what are you? Are you this? Are you a Democrat? So, hey, what about this? Do we like the president? Do we not like the president? What about Congress? Why don't they get their act together? And on top of that, talk about the threats. Last night I was watching the news. I don't, I, I was on, on my phone. I was reading the news. Excuse me. By the way, I don't watch the news because I don't want anybody's spirit getting on me from a newscaster. I'm telling you. Now, I don't want all the, they got all kind of stuff attached to it. And I don't, if you are one, we love you. But so, <laughs> but I ain't watching you. So, <laughs> so I'm going to read. So I was reading, I was reading last night about North Korea. I mean, they can um, bombs and they're going to hit, you know, if you're in Chicago, they're saying, you're in Chicago. I'm like, I'm in Washington, D.C., that's a little bit farther, you know, from North. I'm thinking, but I'm serious. So whether it's political, whether it's financial, is the economy doing good? Is it not doing good? Is the bottom going to fall at any moment? All of this stuff. And I'm going to tell you what it does. It causes stress. Everybody say it. It causes what? Stress. We are living in a stressed out, freaked out time. Now, I want to be honest, stress is not bad in and of itself. There's an appropriate level of stress. You go into a gym, you've got to have a little bit of weight on the bar. But I'm not talking about that today. I'm not talking about healthy stress, uh, a healthy amount. I'm talking about the chronic, unrelenting, unrelenting, pervasive, pounding stress that, that, that assaults us on a daily basis. That's what I'm talking about. And if we don't know how to deal with it, the ramifications physiologically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, the impact on our soul. Can I tell you something? Stress, chronic stress, unrelented chronic, it's, it, it changes you in your core if you don't manage it properly. I'm 48 years old. We started Church of the King when, right when I turned 30. Church is actually 17 years old. First six years of the church, church was amazing. Things were awesome. Uh, year six, we had a little bit of a problem called Hurricane Katrina. We went through that. And uh, I live in New Orleans area. Of course, the impact I taught on that last year here and some of the ways to respond to crisis. We went uh, then in a rebuilding mode, 2006, 2007. Then our church came back on the North Shore. We're multi-site like you guys, but on the North Shore. And we went into a building campaign. 2008, we were, it was a $30 million building project and we were going to raise all this money. And so we did pledge cards and we had to have a certain amount. We had to have $4 million in. Uh, and then the bank, we had a bank loan unfunded until we had $4 million. We had $3.8 million in and the market crashes. The bank pulls the loan, says you can't do it. And I'm thinking, my gosh, what are we going to do now? 
We'd already put millions into the project. Everybody felt like this was the building. God had spoken. And the bank says, basically, you need to have $25 million cash, and we'll lend you the $15 million on the back end. I'm like, $25 million cash? How, how? And so <clears throat> the next 18 months uh, were tough times. I was meeting with people and casting vision. We were having campaign meetings, and I'm meeting with people, and I'm going to be very transparent in my heart, praying for them because some of them were nervous that they were going to be losing their business. And on the inside, I'm thinking, oh God, may they honor their pledge. (laughs) Talk about the betwixtment. Talk about the the challenges because we've got this building going up and, and I'm the pastor handling all this. And I'll never forget February, 2010. I was preaching. We were doing five services. I used to brag about that. You have no idea the wear and tear and the adrenaline surges that on, a, on a preacher. When they preach, they ramp up, they go down. They ramp up, they go down. They ramp up, they go down. We had two Saturday nights, three Sunday mornings, then Sunday night, new members, 101, 201. I'd pride myself on the fact, I'll do all that. February 2010, I was preaching. I'm not trying to get weird. I'm not trying to get mystical, but I was preaching. And you ever been somewhere, but yet you weren't there? And I remember I was preaching and it was like I was, I was there, but I wasn't there. And I knew that something was, was wrong on the inside. Between services, we had multiple services like you guys. I went back and Pastor Randy, who's our executive pastor, I said, Randy, I said, listen, there's nothing. I've not done anything stupid, nothing immoral, but I'm telling you, I am not well. I said, I feel like I'm losing my mind. I, I was able to manage through the next service, and he called our pastor, actually Pastor Jim LaFoon, one of the, I think the over, one of the overseers here, Pastor Jim LaFoon, my other pastor, Pastor Jacob Aranza, our board members, said, Steve, they got Jennifer, my wife, to the church, and we went to Mobile. <clears throat> Mobile. I couldn't talk. I couldn't talk for a day and a half, and finally on, on Monday morning, I'll tell you what happened, I, I started crying, and I told my wife this, I said, I said honey, nothing's coming out. I said, I've not done any immoral stuff. I said, but I, I am emotionally, I'm, I'm spent. The message today I want to talk to you about is, is how to overcome burnout and depression because God began to show me it was a two-year journey from there. And then the last seven years, I've, 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 I've learned how to live differently. I've learned how to, see, here's what I know. I can't escape this world. Jesus says in this world, you're going to have trials. Troubles are going to come. But we don't have to respond to troubles the way we used to respond if we understand God's wisdom. We don't have to carry the pressure and the stresses. We don't have to end up. I don't think depression is a rite of passage. You ever been there before? Oh, yeah, I've been there before. I think we can learn how to manage life differently. One of the things I love about the tagline at this church is live well. Live well doesn't mean exempt from trials. It means live well in the midst of trials. It means you have the wisdom of God, the understanding of God. I think one of the greatest examples of of somebody that experienced depression in the Bible and worked through it and then lived differently is, is Elijah. Elijah is a man of God in the Old Testament who was one of the greatest prophets that ever lived he went through a season of depression right after one of his greatest battles in, the, in, in Carmel, Mount Carmel, where, where he called down fire and there was 400 prophets of Baal. You guys remember the story. It was, a, it was a contest between righteousness and unrighteousness and light and darkness. And, and, and it was, it was I mean, you're talking about the zenith, the apex of his ministry. And, and God showed up big time. But it was right after that, right after that, after that mountaintop. 
that experienced this valley. First Kings chapter 19, I'm going to read 10 verses. I'm going to just go through this verse by verse. And I'm going to show you and unpack some scripture here to show you that depression that we can overcome. How you get in depression, why we experience depression, and, and how to get out of it. Number one, the Bible says in verse one, and Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Ahab was a wicked king. And how uh, Elijah had executed all the prophets with the sword. And let me give you a little background. Ahab was the 19th king, the wicked kings of Israel. And one day he was on his job. He said to his wife, Jezebel, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to give over the reign. He gave the baton to his wife, Jezebel. Well, Jezebel couldn't wait for that opportunity. And Jezebel, one of the things that she hated the most is she hated Elijah because Elijah stand for, stood for God and righteousness and, and, and justice and, and, and the power of God. And, and she, was, she, she, she so esteemed these prophets of Baal, which were false prophets. And she was so upset at Elijah. And, 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 and then now, verse 2, she starts making these pronouncements over him. Look what it says, verse 2. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I do not make your life, speaking about Elijah, as the life of one of them. Who's them? The dead prophets. About this time tomorrow. Verse 3 says, and when, she, and when he saw that, when he saw this message, he arose for his life. He rose for his life and began to run. He, he began to run. How can a great man of God, think about this, who had just defeated 400 false prophets, who saw miracles and, and axe heads throw, I mean, how, how, did, how did he, I mean, miracles and droughts and, and birds coming in and spoke to, how can a man of God that experienced the power of God at this level, now from a note, do you remember notes in grade school? Do you love me? Yes, no, maybe, circle one. Well, this wasn't one of them. This was, I'm going to take you out, kill you, and feed you to the birds. But here's a man that stood up to evil things, and now a note causes him to run and ask for his life. God, take my life. How do you go from that to that? How does that, how does that happen where he ends up running down to the southern part of Israel and praying. Look at it says, verse 4. It's too much, Lord, he prayed. Take away my life. I might as well be as dead. I began to think through this. Think about Elijah. He had seen the faithfulness and the power of God. He saw God firsthand through droughts and battles and miracles and ministering. And, and then Jezebel says, I'm going to take you out. And yet his reaction and his response is, it's, it, it, was, it, was, it, was totally, it was totally disproportionate to how he used to react. It was inordinate to how, how he previously responded. Why is it he, he responded in one way for so many times, but in this, why in this time did he respond differently? And I'm going to suggest to you today that he was depleted. He had no reserve. He was depleted emotionally. He was depleted physically. He was depleted mentally. I believe that Elijah... Elijah was, was entering into a season of depression. A lot of misunderstanding of depression in our culture. Why it comes, how it's triggered. Sometimes it's external. A loss of a loved one. Go through a conflict. The job change. Something happens. A missed expectation. Sometimes a calamity. There was a huge uptick of depression in our culture after Hurricane Katrina in the aftermath. Sometimes after a storm, a tornado, you lose something. There's great loss. All your pictures, all the memorabilia growing up and it's flooded. You lose it. Something's triggered. The stress, the pressure. So sometimes it's external. Sometimes, though, it's 
It's also internal. But what, what is depression? I know there's varying levels. It, it's like there's stress. There's chronic stress. There's bewilderment. There's, there's, there's deep levels of disillusionment. And then there's depression. So there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a whole continuum that this goes on. Let me give you a clinical definition. A depression is a medical condition that causes a persistent feeling of sadness and a loss of interest. It affects us spiritually, it affects us emotionally, it affects us physiologically. Maybe you've experienced, maybe you've experienced something external to you. You you came here, you moved to this area for a job and it didn't work out. You were in a relationship and that twisted and turned and you got a bump there. You had a problem with the kid. So there's external things, but but, but, but maybe you, you find yourself in a place of funkiness, a place of heaviness, not because of something on the outside, but sometimes because of our own life decisions. A lack, a, a, a lack of life management. Sometimes it's because we cannot use one of the greatest words in the English language. No, I'm sorry, I, I can't do that. No, I'm sorry, my son can't play on the third travel ball team in the spring. <laughs> by, the, by the way, let me tell you all the parents that make them all mad. Travel ball is from hell, by the way. <laughs> I don't care if you get mad at me, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter one bit. Put pressure on that little eight-year-old. That's why he hates baseball when he's 18. My God, have mercy. We did travel ball one year, and I almost became an agnostic after that. I, I, I didn't even know if I was saved. I thought, I got him running all around and just going crazy. It just, so, so sometimes it's because we, 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 we want to be Superman. We want to do everything at all times. We want to please everybody. Sometimes depression is because of the external. Sometimes it's because of our own inability to draw boundaries in healthy things. And, and I, I just want to say this, that some of you, some of you, some of you need to, need to, need to learn to, 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 to realize you can't do everything at all times. So some, some of you, now, now I know I wore the suit in here, some of y'all. I told pastor, you really want me to wear this? This is powerful. I just, I don't know if y'all can handle this suit. I just, but some of y'all need to take off the Superman cape. Are y'all with me? Because that, that doesn't help you because it's choices. Pastor, I don't know if you can touch this. <laughs> you, you, you ain't got enough power to handle this thing, brother. Let me put it back on. But anyway, so... <laughs> so, so sometimes it's on the outside, but sometimes, sometimes it's, it's our own life choices. And, 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 and you, you've got to discern the difference. Let me, let me say this. If you're experiencing depression, you're not alone. Some great men and women of God have experienced. Mother Teresa, if you read her writings, all that she did for, for helping people, and yet she also experienced a dark night of the soul time and time again. I believe there's reasons why. I believe that she output so much and gave out and gave out and gave out and gave out. There's another one that we're very familiar with. Last night I had the opportunity, your pastor from Sterling Campus, David, Pastor David, brought us down to to the Lincoln Memorial. It was phenomenal, and we went up there. And and yet if you read, one of your very own, one of the great men in your church, Stephen Mansfield, wrote a book, uh, uh, Lincoln's Battle with God. You read in there, Abraham Lincoln battled depression. He battled depression. Martin Luther King Jr., read his, uh, it's great how, what he did to help and liberate, and yet you read his, he, he, he battled with some depression. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers in, in, in London, he, he battled with depression. What, what are some common warning signs? If you're experiencing depression, excessive irritability, insomnia, a lack of marital attraction, constant tears, 
You just can't stop crying. It's over. Now, let me give you some why. Why behind the what? Why, why do some people get depressed? Number one, if you have notes, I think I put this in ours. Number one is we overdo it. We just overdo it. We overdo it. Elijah, for years, listen to me closely, for years he had gone from one spiritual battle to another, trusting God, believing, casting out, binding, loose, um, one after another. And there was output, 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 output. You know, we came over here on the plane and I flew from New Orleans. It's very interesting how, how um, the, the, the steward and stewardesses, they say the same thing, but it's, 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 it's like it's still, I, I still listen to them over and over and over again. And one of the things they say is in case the plane goes into a decompression state, there's going to be what? Drops. Oxygen. And, and what does it say? It says first, if you're traveling with someone, first put it Where? on yourself. Why is that? Because you can't help somebody else if you're delusional. You, 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 you can't, you, you got to first get some air yourself. Elijah was giving everybody else air, helping everybody else, serving at school, doing everything you want, but, but he was, he was neglecting his own oxygen mask. He needed to get oxygen him, himself. Let me give you a little bit of physiology that happens with depression. Interestingly enough, and I learned all this in, in my, in my journey is that we have what's called serotonin in our body. Serotonin, it's a neurotransmitter. I'll call it a hormone, and it's a, a healthy level of serotonin. It makes you feel good. It makes you, the problem is through output and activity and you just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and you don't live in God's rhythms and you don't live in renewal habits and patterns and we're not honoring the Sabbath, doing a lot of things. What happens is your serotonin levels start going down, 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 then they get depleted. And you know what happens when you get your serotonin levels depleted? You start living off of another hormone called adrenaline. And let me tell you what adrenaline, adrenaline was given to you by God for fighting and flighting. In other words, this isn't true, but buildings on fire, boom, we're all taken off. Why? Because there's an adrenaline, it's an emergency surge button, but you can't live on that. What happens is businessmen and women, I'm, I'm talking to you, you, you can't go from deal to deal to deal to deal to deal to deal to deal, to deal without living healthy and getting some reserves built back up. You, you can't keep going output. And I've seen people in school and, and, and when you're, you're, you're married, I'm trying to get my PhD, I'm trying to get my master, I'm trying to do this. I've got four kids. I, so you gotta, you, you gotta figure this out where you can't just keep output, 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 where there's not input, 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 input. You, you, you can't live that way. Or you find yourself like Elijah underneath the tree asking to die. God, till, kill me. The second thing that we see why people get depressed is when they begin to overdo it, you get so emotionally exhausted, you get physically depleted, emotionally depleted, uh, 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 spiritually depleted, you'd end up, number two, isolating yourself. We isolate. First Kings chapter 19, verse 3, he arose, watch this, he ran for his life and went to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. Why'd you leave your servant there? Why, why did you leave the very person that could have helped you? Why is it that we disconnect from the very people that can help us when we're, why is it that we withdraw when we feel depressed, when we actually should press into relationships? Well, why do we not show up for small group or show up for church? How many times you've seen somebody, they've been on fire for God, they went through some transition, they had a bump with a kid, they had a relational situation, a financial situation, they feel a little condemned, they're trying to figure this thing out, they're pushing, they're pushing, next thing you know, you can't see them. They're gone. Why? The enemy condemns them, puts them in a corner. They isolate. That's the wrong place to go. Because here's what I found. You can't get yourself out of depression. 
You can't pull yourself out of the miry clay. You need God and you need the people of God. We don't need a clam up. We need to open up. We need to open up to different men and women that can help us. But you got to be honest. And it's hard to be honest when, you, when, when, you don't, when you're not winning. When you don't feel like things are happening. Right? Because type A personalities, I'm talking specifically to you. We get brownie points. We get brownie points for being busy. We get brownie points for being successful. You go up to somebody. Let me give you a little test. You go up to somebody. How are you doing? Man, <laughs> nobody says this. Ain't nothing going on. Loser! You don't say that. You go, what do you say? You say, man, what you been up to? I tell you what, I've been really what? Busy. That means winner. Right? You don't say nothing's been happening. It's been hanging out, laying on a hammock, really. We get brownie points in our culture. You got to produce. You got now. Look, I'm not. I'm not advocating passivity. I'm advocating what 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 Pastor Brett calls living well. When you live biblically, it's with wisdom strategies. You live well, not passive. But you got to break the silence. You got to be open. Ten percent of our population, eighteen above, struggling with clinical depression, where you're in the suicidal realm. I went back into that room, February 2010, and I told Pastor, I said, Pastor Rand, I said, I'm not doing well, man. I called Pastor Jim, our pastors, and I went, and Pastor Jim told me, he says, you, uh, Steve, you're not, you're not healthy. We're going to shift, shift your schedule. We're going to cut this out. And he says, listen, let me tell you what's going to happen is we're going to, um, you need to go see a counselor. A prof- you need professional help. I'm like, professional help? All right, just pray for me. Well, we get that too, but you need professional help. So he sent me to a counselor. I had to get on an airplane. Pack my bags, get on an airplane. I flew to another state to go see this professional counselor. I'll never forget walking out. I'd walk out. So you got you to admit this. You just got to get real with this thing. Okay, I remember going to prison. I walked up, you know, and I'm just thinking, I got to be honest, you know, I got like a ball cap, glasses. <laughs> Crazy people go to this thing, you know. I'm looking around, you know, looking for people twitching. I'm serious. I'm, Man, what's up with this? And then I get up to the thing, and, and the, I see the guy's name, and I was hoping it was going to be like, you know, you know, human's performance coach, you know, life coach, you know. You know what his name was? He had his name, and after it was psychotherapist. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Psycho! They got me going to psychotherapist! where crazy people go. All I needed was a life coach. Got me going, psychotherapist, man. God, have mercy. I'll never forget, that was a, a week that changed my life. Because I got real. Everybody said, get real. You're not going to get well running. You're not. You're going to have to run to the house of God, to the people of God, to people with wisdom. Are y'all with me? Number three, we sink into negativity. Look at verse four. It is enough now, Lord. Take my life for I'm no better than my father's. What's funny is nobody was asking if he was better than his father's. You know what happens when you get depressed? You exaggerate things. I'm always... 
You never, I never. Everything gets distorted. Why? Because you're emotional and things get distorted. That's when you're, that's why this is so important for us to get well. It's important for us to get well because of our perspective where we, where we can understand the reality of life and what's going on. Let me give you some prescriptions and I know I, I, I need to wrap up here in a couple of minutes, but God's prescription for overcoming depression, I'm going to give you three. And, and I could talk a lot more about this, but this is just hopefully I, what I'm really trying to do is to get you to open up to be able to talk. To talk to your small group leader, to talk to your pastors and get professional help if you need it. And I mean that. There's no shame in that. Number one, let me give you three, three prescriptions for emotional health to overcome depression right out of this. Number one, eat and rest. Eat and rest. Look what it says right here in verse five and six. That is, he lay, he slept under a broom tree. This is Elijah. Notice this, notice this. There's no rebuke. There's no shame. There's no sermon. This angel shows up. An angel shows No rebuke, no shame, no sermon. Here's what happens. Verse five and six. Then as he lay and slept under a broom tree, suddenly an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. Then he looked there by his head and there was a cake, a cake. Got a king cake. That's New Orleans. Got a cake. And a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Let me just tell you this something. You know this message will preach in the South. I mean, you know when Jesus shows up with food, it's awesome. An angel shows up. Food! Praise God! Some of you, the most spiritual thing you can do is, is learn to rest and take a nap. One of the things I learned, I say this respectfully, I love my mom. I love my mom. She's a great woman. But as a kid, I was never, I, I never could rest. I never, I could never be sick. I never missed one day of school in my life because I was sick. My mom would make us go. She was, she was, she was, she just put it. And so I, I never could be honest when I was hurt. I never could be honest when things were going. But that's, that's unhealthy. The reality is, he says, you need to rise and you need to eat. And then you need to, you need to rest. The reality is, is doctors would tell us we need seven or eight hours a night of sleep. Six minimum. You can't go on four hours. Sir, ma'am, you can't go on four hours a night forever. You, you, I'm just telling you, that's not cool. You don't get extra credit. <laughs> Remember? Not, so you don't get extra credit, but your, your, your body's breaking down. Your soul's breaking down with that. Isn't it interesting, the fifth commandment, ten commandments? People think, well, the law of God doesn't apply today. You're right. The sacrificial law doesn't. We're not sacrificing lambs after church. Y'all meet us out on the... No. <laughs> but let me tell you what applies today. The Ten Commandments apply today. The Fifth Commandment is honor the what? Say it. Sabbath. It's amazing when we do things our way, how our bodies break down. When we do things God's way. I don't think you have to go through depression. Now, I think you can learn a bunch, but I don't think you have to go through it. If you learn to honor the Sabbath. I learned to take a day off. Pastor, I never felt... I, on Fridays, my day off, I'm telling you, I'd go play golf. And, oh, I don't want anybody to see me. They're going to think that I'm not working. They're going to think, let me just tell you something. We, we have to have a Sabbath. I've been to Israel a bunch of times. It's a beautiful thing to see those Jewish families. I'm telling you, there's something there that we're violating in our culture. I'm telling you, there's something there. When you do it God's way, you get God's result. When it does man's way, you get things break down. They break down. Are you with me? something about that and there's rest and renewal and relaxation. So, uh, Elijah needed to start honoring the Sabbath. He needed to start taking off when he needed to take off. He needed to get the, get, get the, get the, how are you doing? I'm busy. Everything's great. Things are happening, moving. He needs, he needs to, he needed to get, he needed to switch. 
The angel came back, verse 7 and 8, touched him and said, Arise, eat, take the journey. The journey is too great for you by yourself. So he arose and ate and drank, and he went in the strength of what that food provided 40 days and 40 nights to the mountain of God. Let me give you two more. Number two, replace lies. I'm talking about how to overcome, how to overcome depression. Everybody say, watch this. Everybody say, eat and rest. I will also add in there healthy physical exercise. The way that serotonin is replaced in your body is through rest and healthy exercise. That, that's how your, your, your levels go up. Number two, replace lies with God's truth. I'm almost finished. Verse 9 and 10. And there he went in a cave and spent the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and he said, What are you doing here, Elijah? So he said, I've been very zealous for the Lord God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant. I've torn down your altars, killed your prophets with a sword. I alone am left. I alone am left. And they seek to take my life. Question. Here it is. Did Elijah, yes or no, tear down the altars? Yes. Did Elijah do some of these things? Was he zealous for the Lord? Yes. Is he the only one left? You know when God comes and asks you a question, where are you? It's not because God doesn't know. (laughs) Adam, where are you? I can't see behind that bush I just created. (laughs) Y'all realize that, right? Y'all realize when God asks somebody where they are, it's not because God's going, I'm getting old. Can y'all help me out? Step out from behind that. God, (laughs) listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. God wanted Elijah to verbalize some of his unhealthy thinking. One of the number one reasons that I went into what I went into is because I had an unhealthy thought, Pastor. Here's what it was. If I don't raise this money for the church, nobody's going to do it. That's unhealthy. Is it God's church or not? Does the pastor need to cast vision? Yes. But I don't personally have to be the sole one. That was a thought. I'm the only one. Are y'all with me? Some of you running a business, I'm the only one that can do this at work. Oh, Really? Well, then you're not a good equipper, a trainer of people. I'm the only one that can be able to say, oh, really? Well, then you better. We need to replace lies with truth. The greatest way to do that, get the word of God, the men and women of God around you, bathe your mind in truth. God is God. Here's a memo from heaven. We're not God. We're not God. Take the, take, I'm giving it to you, Pat. Take this Superman cape off. Y'all going to feel a power when this thing comes off me. I'm telling you. Take this Superman, take it off. God never put it on. Jesus is Jesus and we are not. Let me give you this last and final thing. Don't forget, you still have an assignment with God. Pastor here, touch this. (laughs) At your own risk. At your own risk. At your own risk. Number three, in conclusion, keep moving forward. Look at verse 15 and 16. Everybody say, eat and rest. rest. Say, replace lies lies. with truth. truth. Now, let me talk about this last one. Keep moving forward. You got to keep moving forward. You have an assignment. Verse 15 and 16. Then the Lord God said, go return to your way to the wilderness, to Damascus. And when you arrive, anoint Haziel. Anoint this one. Do what prophets do. You know what depression tries to make you do? It tries to make you hole up, wall up, close up, clam up, and ultimately it wants to destroy your purpose. Why is it important for us to live well? Because, I'll tell you why, because other people do need us in an appropriate way of how God's designed us. Why do I need it? Why do I, why do I need it? Eat and rest well. Honor the Sabbath and live in healthy rhythms. 
bathe my mind in the word of God. I need godly men in my life. I need to be open and honest when I'm struggling. Why? Why? Because God has given me an assignment like he's given every one of you to put a mask on somebody else and help them out. Come on, are you with me?